What's up, everyone, and welcome to Through the Veil, episode number 33. I am your host, Alex Nelson, and today's episode is going to be a little bit of a different type of episode. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through a process that I find very, very useful for unpacking how you show up in your own life and identifying ways in which you can show up more effectively, release old things from the past, and allow yourself to be the fullest version of you that is available. So it'll be just me talking on this one, a little more tactical advice in this episode, and I'll have some journal prompts at the end that you may find useful in your daily practice. If you find this episode useful, please, the best thing you can do is to share it with a friend uh, and leave a review on iTunes. These are really the ways that you can help this show grow. You can also go on to my website, which is www.throughtheveil.co, and check out my various different coaching packages that are available. This is a great way to dive a little deeper into this process if you find that you need that extra push to dig deeper into your own personal stuff. You can also check out my new product that I made in collaboration with The Journey Back to Soul. It's Metatron's Altar Kit, and this is a really beautiful way to bring an impactful practice uh, home with you. So you can have a ritual practice of your own where you're working with a specific archetypal energy, and it really, really has enlivened and inflamed my life in a good way, uh, and I've found a lot of value in it. So if that's something that interests you, that link will be in the show notes as well as all the links to my website and stuff so check that out but without any further ado let's jump into the episode All right, so welcome to the episode for today we are going to be approaching the topic of the psyche as a whole. And one of the ways that I have found really the most impactful in my own life to approach the process of thinking about your own mind. And this metaphor that I'm going to share with you can really apply to any different part of your life. So it can apply to relationships, it can apply to just the way you show up day to day, it can apply to how you are when you're with your parents. There are many different arenas in which you can find value for this metaphor. But first, just a little bit about why I like to share things as a metaphor. You know, one of the really important powers of story and of metaphor and allegory is that we get a chance to understand and simplify complicated concepts into ways that our mind can really hold on to long term. So if someone shares a very complicated psychological concept, but they just share it in the pure technical terms that are associated with it, it can often be hard to remember that concept in the moments where we need it the most. So as I share this metaphor, the point of the metaphor, which has a lot of flowery language in it, is not to complicate the concept, but rather to give you something that you can use in your day-to-day life that you can remember. And when you can remember it is when you can actually use it in your life. So the metaphor we're going to be doing today is about a hot air balloon. And depending on where you are, if you are not... uh, not driving, it can be helpful to even just close your eyes to really receive the visualization of this metaphor. So I want you to imagine for a second that your entire consciousness is like a hot air balloon. You, 
as the witness of your consciousness, are safely seated in the woven wicker basket of the hot air balloon. Now imagine, feel, or see, that you have the urge to fly high into the sky. So you turn on the powerful silver metal burner and begin to fill the hot air balloon with hot air to provide the lift necessary to soar through the clouds. And perhaps this hot air balloon is a bright red and yellow, and you watch the balloon fill and fill until it's standing straight up, absolutely full of hot air. And upon observation, you kind of notice that your hot air balloon is still sitting snugly nestled against the ground. Frustrated, of course, you grab a dark black gas canister from the side of the wicker basket, and you begin to dump even more fuel into the burner. This hot air balloon is supposed to take you into the sky, not be stuck on the ground. You pour more and more fuel, and finally, with a tremendous amount of fuel, the hot air balloon begins to slowly rise into the air. You hear the burner rumbling as it struggles to pump more and more hot air to keep your divine airship of your consciousness afloat. Finally, you crest over the top of a puffy white cloud. Oh my god, what a view! You can see the mountains all around, you can see the beautiful landscape. You admire the scenery for a brief moment, and then you notice that your hot air balloon has begun to descend back towards the earth. (laughs) Frantically, you try to dump even more fuel into the burner, but Despite your best efforts, the balloon continues its inexorable trajectory towards the ground. You brace for impact. The verdant green grass below rushes up to meet you and crash. You smash into the ground. Shaking yourself off from the collision, you climb outside the wicker basket to survey the damage. The hot air balloon basket is badly damaged. And in the inspection, you also notice something you couldn't see from inside the hot air balloon. There are hundreds of tan-colored sandbags hanging all around the edges of the basket of the hot air balloon. Comprehension dawns on you in a sudden moment of revelation as you look at the ballasts that are tied around the wicker basket. Of course you couldn't maintain a steady altitude. Look at all that dead weight. You begin, to under, you begin to untie the sandbags. Some of the knots are insanely complicated, completely interwoven even with other knots. You kind of wonder yourself, who the, who the hell tied this thing? And some of the knots on, have locks on them, which you don't have a key for. After releasing quite a few sandbags, you make a repair to the hot air balloon basket, and you prepare to take flight again. You grab the black fuel canister, and you notice for the first time that there's a skull and crossbones on the side of the container. You look at the silver metal burner of the hot air balloon, and you notice a black gunk oozing out of all sides of the machinery. So you go through the process of cleaning up the hot air balloon. You set that black fuel canister aside, and you grab a separate silver fuel canister, which is sitting in the basket, which has no markings on it. And after cleaning out the engine and pouring in this silver fuel, the hot air balloon is finally able to rise high above the clouds and you're able to go on a beautiful flight for the amount of time that you want. Now, why do I share this metaphor? So 
there's a multitude of pieces of this that I think have direct parallels to the way that our own minds work. So first, there's just the concept of being the observer of your own consciousness. And if you think of your consciousness and the entirety of your body and your psyche as the vehicle, so the hot air balloon itself, and you are the person who is in the basket observing your consciousness. Now, as you are witnessing your consciousness, sometimes you see yourself do things that you didn't even choose. So perhaps you have a really bad addiction to food or drugs or alcohol and in that addiction even though you tell yourself this week I'm going to eat healthy you notice that often you find yourself making decisions that are the opposite of what you consciously stated to yourself and this is the equivalent of you having that urge to fly high into the sky with your hot air balloon you know you know the target you know where you're trying to go and yet when you start pouring fuel into that target, something's holding you back and something that isn't conscious for you. You know, you haven't yet noticed the sandbags tied around the hot air balloon. And so even if perhaps you are able to take off for a brief time, perhaps you hold that habit for three steady weeks and then on the fourth week it falls apart and you're going, why? I was doing so good. And you start beating yourself up. The awareness hasn't yet come of the things which are weighing you down. And then you may notice that when you are held back by these sandbags, these ballasts that are all around the hot air balloon, it takes an extraordinary amount of effort just to fly to the altitude that the hot air balloon is meant to fly to. Like that's its job is to fly above the clouds and to be in beautiful synchronicity with the entirety of nature. and you may notice you're having to use more and more fuel and this can manifest in your life as exhaustion it can manifest as feeling like you're always stressed you're always frustrated and you're always just pouring so much of yourself into the things you're doing and the progress is painstakingly slow but you know the fact of the matter is with enough effort you can still make progress, of course, if you really just grind, 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 grind. You can still make progress. You can get the hot air balloon to rise into the sky. And that's you pouring that fuel into the burner and using an extraordinary amount of fuel. You know, the hot air balloon did make it up above the clouds, but it's not sustainable. You can't pour that amount of fuel into the burner and expect it to fly long term. And this can be an experience people have where perhaps... To use a very common example of someone becoming a doctor or a lawyer, you know, they grind, 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 grind to get into medical school, let's say. And then they become a doctor finally, and they're working as a doctor, and then they realize, like, oh my god, I'm spending so much energy to do this thing. And you start to question, why am I doing this thing? Is this something I chose or something other people chose for me? And this is where that conscious observer comes in. So oftentimes people have a crash, and this can manifest as an anxiety attack, quitting a job suddenly, being fired, a relationship ending, everything falling apart in your life. Depression, anger, frustration, substance abuse. This is the crash of your hot air balloon. It is finally hit back into the ground because it cannot sustain the flight that it previously had. And when we are crashed is when we notice, perhaps for the first time, perhaps 
This is many times this has happened, but we notice all of the sandbags that are tied around the edge of our consciousness. And the sandbags are representative of all of the past things which have happened to you, not just traumas, but also patterns you inherited from your parents, from your peer group, things you were told in school. These are all sandbags that are tied to your consciousness, which consciously or not, you have agreed to carry with you. And so with all of these sandbags tied to your consciousness, it's no surprise that the hot air balloon has difficulty flying at the altitude that it would like to fly at. So there you are, crashed into the ground. You notice these sandbags for the first time. Maybe they're anger. Maybe they're sadness, deep depression. Maybe they're feeling not good enough. Maybe they're feeling like you can't get anything right, that you don't have enough work ethic. Whatever it is that shows up for you, these sandbags are the things which are waiting and asking for you to release them. And so when we choose consciously to begin to untie the sandbags, that's us choosing to consciously work on the things from our past which are adding weight to the structure of our hot air balloon, which are causing it to be the case that we need to apply an extraordinary amount of effort to do the things we want to do. You know, something that can frustrate people that I've seen in coaching clients even is they'll have a uh, they'll have this experience where they see, you know, someone else, a friend, a family member, someone who's doing something else in the world, and they sort of notice that that person seems to be able to work with no effort <laughs> it's like their life everything just falls into place how are they able to work so hard how has everything come so easily to them and often that could be a very frustrating experience because you feel i feel that i'm putting in so much effort i'm trying so hard just to make things barely work and here's this person who is just floating just floating through life in noticing that you are noticing a person who very likely, has worked through this process to untie their sandbags, or perhaps didn't inherit quite as many sandbags as you did. And each person has their own specific, unique amount of sandbags that they inherit. It can be thousands and thousands and thousands if you are deeply, deeply traumatized, or it can be just a few that seem very heavy, but once untied, all of a sudden we have all of this emotional, psycho-spiritual energy available to us. So when our hot air balloon is crashed into the ground, you know, perhaps we have re-entered into an addictive pattern, perhaps we have quit our job, whatever it is, the basket can become damaged. So it's not as if these crashes cost us nothing. Perhaps this damage can be relationships which are irreparably torn apart. Perhaps this damage can be a job that you can't go back to anymore. Whatever the case is, we have to then consciously choose, before we take off again, to untie the sandbags. Now, in the noticing of the sandbags, what we notice is that some of the knots are just like very simple. You know, That could be just a noticing of, oh shit, okay, I don't feel like I'm good enough. Uh, so I'm going to do some self-work around feeling good enough, and perhaps that's a fairly easy knot to untie. But some of the knots are insanely complicated, and some of them are completely tied in with 10 other knots. 
So this is something that happens often when people are beginning to do self-work and be very frustrating is as we start to work on one part of ourself, 10 other parts become present because of course you are a being that works as a multiplicity. There are many, many parts inside of you that are all working in unison to create the current experience and conception you have of the world around you. And so as all of these parts work together, unified in a way, what they're doing is intertwining their stories with each other. And these stories that are intertwined together result in whatever behaviors, habits, and things that you have happening in your life. So when we untie one knot, oftentimes other knots are going to need to be untied to really truly release that first knot. And I can give an example of this. So perhaps you are the person who really, really wants to work out consistently. And you've told yourself over and over again, this week I'm going to work out. I'm going to start a consistent habit of going to the gym three times a week, every week. And perhaps you even get it right for a little while. And as you start to investigate why you can't stay consistent in this habit that you're consciously choosing for yourself that you know is good for you, you begin to realize that you have this deep-seated fear of putting in the consistent effort in the gym. Because perhaps, in this example, perhaps you're afraid that other people are judging you at the gym. And so even though you're able to go and show up for a week or two, eventually that fear creeps in that like other people are judging me. They're looking at the way my body looks. Maybe my body isn't acceptable to them. And in that fear, you finally find a day where you're already feeling pretty low emotionally and you choose not to go because that fear overtakes you. Now, as you start to work on this fear of being judged, you may notice four other parts became present. So perhaps this is, you notice a part from when you were 10, that in school you were deeply embarrassed in front of the other kids. And so as such, you retracted and you became very closed off because you didn't want to experience that pain again. So there's an inner 10 year old inside of you. Perhaps you also had a relationship when you were 20 and this relationship was deeply painful. Perhaps you got cheated on. Perhaps the partner told you that your body wasn't good enough and that's why they were breaking up with you. So there's a second part of judgment. And perhaps also growing up with your parents, you also witnessed that your mom or your dad was always very negative about their own body. And in being negative about their own body, you learned that your body also wasn't okay. And then as a fourth part, perhaps society itself has provided a beauty standard that you feel like you don't live up to. So as all of these four parts combine to make this fear of being judged at the gym, for you to untie the sandbag of the fear of judgment may require you to untie all four of these parts. And as such, it can feel very complicated at the beginning and feel even very frustrating because you're like, well, fuck, I just want this to be easy. I want to, I'm choosing to do the work. Why can't I just receive the answer or receive the thing to work on and feel better? However, this is the fact of the matter is most things are intertwined with other parts of ourself. Now, as you work on one piece, the other parts will start to get better and you will receive opportunities to work on them. So it's not like you have to wait until you fix all four of those parts for you to see progress in your day-to-day -day life. And it's good to know that because this process can feel long and arduous. 
I certainly have felt in my life at many different points that I'm like, oh my God, is, is there any end to the work? Will I ever be in a point where I am just fully and truly healed? And that can be a feeling that can feel kind of hopeless and despondent at points. However, just providing the context that over time things do generally get better when you engage with this work. They make it more difficult short term, but long term over the course of many months or many years, there is a steady improvement that you can expect. Now, perhaps you also notice as you are looking at the sandbags that are tied all around this balloon that some of them have these locks on them and you don't have the key to those locks. So this is representative of deep, deep traumas that perhaps you experienced. So for those that have experienced abuse in their life in various different forms, or those who have witnessed death in their life, whether that's through violence or just natural occurring death, <clears throat> this can build up these deeply held, rooted traumas. And the reason that these are represented by locks on the sandbags and you don't have the key to those locks is often, not always, but often, these deeper, more firmly rooted traumas require a second person to help you unlock them. Now, this isn't to say that you aren't your own best healer, but sometimes it can be extremely useful to have someone who already has the key to the problem you are facing. It saves you a lot of time. You can think about it as either you're going to have to take a metal saw and try to saw through the lock, and that's going to be a process that takes a very long time, or you can go see someone like a coach or a therapist or a shaman, maybe perhaps consider sitting in a deeply intentional plant medicine ceremony, and they can just kind of give you the key. And you still unlock the lock yourself you apply the effort to open it and you choose to open it. But sometimes someone else's pattern or useful info can be the key which you receive to then do the opening. Now, let's say you've undone some of your sandbags and beautiful, you're ready, you're ready to fly again. You're feeling whole, you're feeling complete. You're like, let's do this. I'm, I've worked on my shit. All of a sudden you notice that the actual burner so this is thought of as the engine which fuels your consciousness or your psyche is all full of this black gunk. And as you look at your fuel canister, which is the fuel you've been burning emotionally, spiritually, and physically to get to the place you are, you notice that it's this black, like really doom, doom and gloom looking canister with a skull and crossbones on it. This is representative of the fact that many of us to achieve success burn what I would call shadow fuel. Shadow fuel is anything that is not in alignment with your highest good and your highest aim. So this can be other people's perception of what you should do with your life. So perhaps your parents told you you have to be a doctor, otherwise we don't love you. So you worked unbelievably hard to become a doctor, but the whole time in the back of your head was this voice from your mom or your dad like, we're not gonna love you if you're not a doctor. We're not gonna love you if you're not a doctor. We're not gonna love you if you're not a doctor. And this voice and the effort you're applying towards medical school is the literal manifestation of the shadow fuel. Now, the thing about shadow fuel is it works for a period of time, but it builds up this residue. And this residue will slow you down in the long term. So sometimes short term, for a month or a year, 
You can burn, let's say, anger, frustration. You can burn that sort of fuck you, I'm going to do it anyways, I know I'm capable energy. But over the course of your life, you can't burn that energy forever. And it's not to shame you for perhaps burning that energy in the past. We have almost all done it at some point in our life. But it is just to give the awareness that this energy, the shadow fuel, if you will, is not sustainable over the course of your life. It has a natural expiration date. So even if you are to clear most of your sandbags, of your big traumas and patterns from the past, if you're still burning the energy of, fuck you, I'm going to do this anyways, I know I can do it, you're going to find it difficult to stay afloat on your airship long term. Now, in acknowledging this shadow fuel, you get an opportunity to see the ways in which you are showing up not in alignment with your truest self. So the energy, the light fuel, if you will, represented by the silver canister that you begin to pour in, this is a fuel of alignment at its deepest root. This is you being in such deep appreciation, gratitude, and alignment with what you could consider your higher self, what you could consider God, what you could consider spirit, whatever language works for you. It could just be the best version of you. This version of you has a very clear objective here on this planet for which you are uniquely fitted. And just listen to that again one more time so that you can really receive that. The entirety of your being has a unique and important objective here on this planet. There is a reason that you exist with your specific life path that has happened leading up to this point. And if, even if that life path has been extraordinarily painful, oftentimes the case is the more painful the life, the more gift you have to give. And the more that you will be impactful to people who perhaps have gone through similar pain. This is the Jungian idea of the golden shadow. That our shadow, the thing that we most struggled with, whether it's from our childhood or our young adulthood, is often the thing that when fully processed and worked through, is our greatest gift to the world. So just receive that and know that as you begin to burn this silver canister of the fuel of the higher self, that's going to feel like gratitude for the process excitement about helping others perhaps deep alignment and peace feeling like you know exactly where you go where you are going and you know why you are going there and as you burn this fuel you'll notice that the hot air balloon of your psyche is able to rise much more easily it's much easier to get yourself to do the things that you want to do and you'll notice that it's more steady the thing about shadow fuels it's very explosive it can work for a short burst but then all of a sudden it doesn't work the next day light fuel the fuel of the higher self is consistent it's steady and you can see this evidenced in your own life whenever you're doing something you truly love whether that's hanging out with friends and just connecting or being outside in nature do those things take effort not really you just kind of do them and you feel good while you're doing them it's the things which aren't in alignment, which take effort. So the goal of your consciousness, of your life, is to become more and more in alignment of the things you wish to show up 
with your gifts to the world. Now, this whole metaphor is useful not just for thinking about your own life, but also for thinking about your relationship. So not to touch on every single point again, but if you think about the relationship itself as the hot air balloon in the basket, and that you and your partner are getting into the basket together. In that case, the sandbags which are tied around the edge of the hot air balloon are both of your shared traumas, but also your patterns about what you believe is acceptable, possible, and able to be done in a relationship. So if you witnessed zero good relationships going on, growing up, you may not even have the idea in your head that a relationship could be successful. You may not even know what love looks like. So this is just the acceptance and the work of doing this process in relation is some of the mandatory prerequisites for any relationship that I enter into, and they should be mandatory for you as well, is that both of you are committed to untying as many sandbags as possible from the hot air balloon itself. Now, why is this? Well, this is you choosing consciously to improve yourself and choosing to hold space for your partner as they improve themselves. And the beautiful thing that happens is not only will your relationship likely get better, but even if the relationship was to fall apart, even if it wasn't the right partner and you both become aware of that after some time, you're actually turning yourself into the person and you're helping your partner turn themselves into the person who's ready to receive the partner that is for them. So in this process, one of the reasons it's a mandatory piece for me is I always want to be making progress towards who I am truly supposed to be. And if you have a partner who's not supportive of that type of work, it's going to be a constant battle. Perhaps you are untying your sandbags as best you can, but your partner is just adding new sandbags onto the hot air balloon. And even in a very difficult or disastrous scenario, maybe they're like adding new traumas to your life, whether that's through cheating, whether that's through invalidating your emotions all the time, whether that's through lying to you. These are all things that can cause new trauma to exist in you. And so all of a sudden, even as you're untying old sandbags, you start to have an insurmountable effort needed to untie all the sandbags. And in those moments, it's time to, as gently as you can, land the hot air balloon, kindly ask the other person to step out so that you can fly solo for a little while and you can untie the sandbags yourself. And relationships are not in their highest form necessarily aimed at this concept of forever, but rather they're aimed at the concept that both people in the relationship are progressing towards that alignment that we spoke about earlier. They're progressing towards that deep, deep sense of purpose, that sense of I know where I'm going, I know why I'm going there, and I know I'm progressing towards it. And as such, relationships can be one of the most beautiful mirrors to allow you to progress towards that, because who better than your partner to see your day in, day out, and to call you out when you're kind of on some bullshit. <laughs> you're avoiding your sacred task. You're sleeping in extra late because you're not wanting to work on the thing you want to work on. Your partner can help you both in holding your traumas lovingly, which, to be clear, is the piece that should always come first. Can they hold your traumas lovingly as you seek to work through them yourself? 
But then the second critical piece of that is having that person who can lovingly, keyword lovingly, allow you the space and help you to see the areas in which you are blind. If you're able to achieve this in relationship where the two of you are coordinating and the two of you are conspiring together to bring forth the best versions of each other, then you're getting an opportunity that is unique. You're getting this beautiful opportunity where you two can expedite each other's process and expedite the progress being made towards your highest version of yourself and towards giving your gifts fully. This only happens when you're both committed to the process. So for me, it's a mandatory piece. It's like, are both people seeking to work on themselves? Are you both aware of your traumas? As you become more and more aware of your traumas, do you have a partner who is lovingly holding space for that? In the hot air balloon, that's the equivalent of when you notice you have 50 sandbags that are on your side of the balloon, do they look at those sandbags with disgust and go, what's wrong with you? Or do they come over and help you untie them? That's really it at its deepest core. You want the partner who is going to help you untie them. Doesn't mean it's their job to do so, but part of them helping you untie them is the knowing that you're going to help them untie some of the sandbags on their side of the hot air balloon as well. And in that way, we can build that stable foundation where the relationship isn't unbalanced, where it's not one person doing all the work and the other person not. So this is the power of this metaphor. And really, I invite you just to kind of take it in and drink it in, perhaps listen to this episode a couple times to really let some of the pieces sink in. As we understand our own mind and our own psyche, it's really, really useful to have these mental images so that in any given moment, you can sort of ask yourself like, okay, am I burning shadow fuel right now? What sandbags might be intertwined here that are dragging me towards the ground in this specific habit or in this specific thing that I'm encountering? This can be a really beautiful way to analyze your own mind. Now, let's jump into some quick journal prompts that I can find helpful for beginning the process of becoming aware. So the first prompt, and if you're driving, of course, you know, listen to this back when you're not driving so you can take notes. The first prompt is, what is the thing or things that you're currently trying to accomplish that you are having difficulty staying consistent at or difficulty making progress towards? So, for example, going to the gym or eating clean. What are the things which you have stated to yourself that you would like to do? You know, you consciously know, perhaps, that you'd like to work more on your business or you'd like to go to the gym every day, but you, there's a real gap in between your stated intention and the reality of what is happening in the world. So this is first what we would call identifying the gap or just seeing that there are sandbags at all. Once you've identified this gap, the second question is, what is holding you back from being consistent? Now, for some people, they will have just immediate answers pop up when that's the question. They go, oh, okay, it's these four things. For some people, you won't have anything pop up, and that's okay. That's what this next exercise is for. So if you have things immediately pop up, awesome. If you didn't, what you can do is, and this takes a little bit longer, but what you can do is the next time that you miss the habit 
which you stated to yourself that you were going to do, or the next time you have that big blow up in the relationship, or the next time you have an argument with your parents, I want you to write down after the fact what you were feeling before that happened. Often what will happen is we have an emotion, we have a feeling internally that creates a certain state. And this feeling or emotion and the state it creates precipitates us doing or not doing the thing we wanted to do. So for example, in my own life, at one point I realized I was eating a lot of just like candy and junk food and I was just like, fuck, why am I doing this? It was while I was working as the general manager of a manufacturing company. And I took on this exercise from my close friend, Eric Godsey. And what it revealed to me was every time before I would have junk food or candy, the emotion that I was feeling was intertwined or related to the fact that I had to have a difficult conversation with a person at work. Sometimes that would look like I had to fire someone. Sometimes that was just disciplining, you know, going, hey, you can't show up late for the 20th time. Like, I'm writing you up. But whatever the impetus was, whatever the specific case was, what I was feeling was this tension and this real fear. And when I traced that down a layer, what I saw was I had this deep fear of not being loved. I really wanted to be accepted and welcomed. And so whenever I had to do something that could be considered, you know, difficult or harsh in disciplining someone, there was that real fear that, like, I wouldn't be loved. Like, me writing the person up would make them go, Alex is a dick. Fuck him. And so immediately what I would try to do after that circumstance was I'd try to tamp down or soften the emotion by eating a bunch of junk food because that would create a consistent emotional state for me. Even if it wasn't a positive state, per se, you know, I'd feel kind of like shit. At least I wasn't feeling the pain of the emotion of feeling perhaps not loved or not seen or not welcomed into the space. So that's a specific example for my life. It can look totally different for you, or maybe it's even similar. But in that analysis, you'll get the first tracks of what the emotions are that are causing you to have the non-optimal outcome for what you're aiming at. Now, the next journal prompt that I would provide after that step. So you've identified the gap between where you want to go and where you're actually showing up. You've then hopefully identified some of the reasons why. You know, what is the emotion behind it? The next step is to dig into those emotions. So emotions are best thought of as indicators. They are pointing towards something. If you're angry, that emotion is trying to communicate to you something that is happening in your environment. Now, emotions can be what I would call either false or true indicators. So when it's a false indicator, what the emotion is sharing with you is really discolored by your past and by your trauma. So for example, if you had a parent that left you when you were very young and you are then with a partner in the current day, and they are being a little bit closed off towards you for whatever reason, you don't know the reason, the emotional experience to you can be as if the partner is abandoning you. Now that's a false signal, unless they're actually abandoning you. So your emotion is actually not pointing at the partner, but really it's pointing at your own trauma from the past. 
However, sometimes emotions give true signals, and the more you work on this progress, the more your emotions can be trusted to give you true signals. So for example, maybe you feel anger in the relationship, and you're like, man, I am so fucking angry. You know, I've done the work on my traumas to be relatively sure this is not from my traumas. Perhaps what the anger is pointing you to is a boundary that was crossed. Something that you had stated you didn't want to see as a behavior, as a part of the contract you created in the relationship, and it happened. And so the anger is an indicator of feeling like your boundary was crossed, and in that way it can be trusted. Now it doesn't mean you act out of anger, but it does mean that when the emotion arises in you, you investigate and you go, okay, shit, is this coming from my trauma? Is this coming from my own patterns? Or is this a genuine indication of something that I am feeling from my partner that I don't want to have more of in my life? Now, I would invite you to always first investigating where it comes from in your own life. Because the ego is tricky. It wants to blame externally. It wants it to be the other person's fault. And really, 80 to 90% of things, and you know, in, in actuality, probably 99% of things, are an internally generated experience. Now, that can just look like if you're with the wrong partner, and they are showing up in a way that is crossing a boundary for you consistently, and that's creating a lot of anger. Maybe it's not really coming from your trauma, the anger, but still the way in which the boundary needs to be set is you're with the wrong partner. <laughs> you need to find the right partner and stop being with the wrong partner. So even in those cases, it's always useful to think about it as you want to internalize the locus of control of whatever you're feeling, because only in internalizing it do you give yourself the power back. If it's an external locus of control, if this is just the way this person is behaving and they're just a fucking idiot or they're a dick, well then what are you going to do about it? It seems like there's nothing you can change because you've told yourself a disempowering narrative. So sometimes the, the feeling or the emotion can be a true indicator of a boundary being crossed. But what the anger might be trying to do is trying to give you the fuel emotionally, again, back to that shadow fuel, to make the decision that you're too scared to make, which may be to end the relationship, or maybe to tell that parent or loved one that, hey, when you talk to me like that, I feel small and I feel not loved. And so when I feel like that, I don't want to talk with you. So I'm going to need to take a break from us interacting until I can be sure that we're both going to show up in a way that's more beneficial for us. So sometimes that can be an indicator of a boundary. So what I would invite in this circumstance is as you become aware of the emotion that precipitates the thing that you either want or don't want, then to do the investigative work of what is this emotion trying to tell me? What does it want me to know? Where in my past has my psyche perhaps seen similar circumstances? Where in my current day am I not speaking my truth? And in this way, you can investigate the emotion and get to its root. An interesting phenomenon that happens is when we truly feel through our emotions and investigate them in this way, they pass extraordinarily quickly. It's the resistance to the emotion becoming present that causes it to perpetuate. Because if you think about it like a 10-year-old in your mind, it's perhaps yelling at you going, Dad, 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 look at this, look at this, look at this. And you're refusing to look at it. Now, that doesn't make them calm down. <laughs> the 10-year-old is not calming down because you're refusing to look at the rock they brought you. 
they're going to get increasingly intense and loud and perhaps throw that temper tantrum that you're so fearing. So when we engage with our emotions, it's you showing that 10-year-old inside of yourself that's bringing you the rock, like, hey, buddy, I love you. What's going on? Oh, wow, that's a cool rock. Thank you for bringing that to me. And even in this, you know, secondary metaphor within the larger metaphor, when that inner child brings you the rock, you can consciously know in current times in your modern adult self that it's just a fucking rock. But you've got to understand that the emotion, which is that 10-year-old inside of you, to that child or to that emotion, it's not just a rock. It's a magic wishing stone, or perhaps it's a best friend. Whatever it represents to them is important to them. And so to treat it as such, you know, your anger is not trying to tell you something because it hates you. Your anger is trying to tell you something because it feels like you're missing something. And same thing with your sadness. Your sadness is trying to tell you that, like, you're missing something. I need you to know this. So I'm trying to put you in a depressed state. I saw something beautiful that Jim Carrey said at one point. That was deep, depressed is deep rest. And it often is that case of your psyche and your consciousness asking you to, like, truly go inwards. Investigate. See what it's trying to tell you. So this is the metaphor. I hope this and the journal prompts were helpful to you. Um, it's certainly been a huge process piece for me, and it's definitely a piece of the way that I coach my clients is trying to learn how to unpack these sandbags for each individual person is really, really impactful. So with that, I'll talk to you soon. All right, so that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And let me know if you did. I would love to do some more of these sort of solo cast episodes where I dive a little deeper into a concept or a framework that I find very useful for working through your own life. I feel like it's a way I could be of service, even if we never engage into a personal coaching relationship. But if you did enjoy this one, the best way you can support is always to share it with a friend, a loved one who you think this could be useful for. The second best way to support is to show up and leave a review. The reviews really drive traffic to the podcast, and the more reviews that are there, the better for the podcast. So I'd super appreciate either of those. As always, you can book me for one-on-one coaching, and we can enter into a relationship in that way, if you will, and I can help you to unpack some of these pieces of yourself that I spoke about in the episode that may be holding you back. Maybe those are the actual sandbags in your own personal consciousness right now, and one of the things I specialize in is helping you to see those, realize those, and work through them, so that link is in the show notes, or you can just go to www.throughtheveil.co to check out my coaching packages, and also I have the Archangel Metatron Alter kit available now so that link is in the show notes and it's a really really beautiful way to have a complete kit for your at-home altar or your at-home ritual space where you can enter into a practice immediately from getting the kit that i promise will be high impact for your life this has honestly been one of my most consistent practices is working with this specific format and this specific altar setup so it's a super cool setup it comes with an altar cloth with metatron's cube on it it also comes with six different uh, or six gemstones that are specifically correlated to archangel metatron as well as some sage to clear your space and a set of instructions to help you dig deeply into the process so 
You can check out the links for that in the show notes. That's it for today. I love you all. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you soon.